Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Crime Story Podcast with Carrie Antholis, where stories of crime and justice are told. On today's podcast, Chris Terracone reads his story, A Sweet Little Lamb and a Cold-Blooded Murder, which you can find in written form at crimestory.com. Picture a neighborhood in the Hollywood Hills, surrounded by trees and plenty of wildlife. Not the glamorous, celeb-packed part of the hills, but a place where the likes of coyotes, tarantulas, and other wild animals roam freely alongside a stream of cars that speed back and forth around the community's tight and winding streets. What's the wildlife like in that area? It is robust. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Um, well, we pulled some shrubs out in our yard and they found a rattlesnake that was enormous. Um, we had uh, like a mountain lion, a uh, lot of coyotes, a lot of bunnies, raccoons, possums, you name it. It's like wild kingdom. A couple <laughs> of deer, like, like deer tarantulas. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like an adventurous neighborhood. It was. <laughs> um, Based on what you knew about that street, mm-hmm. was that a safe place to leave small children unattended? No. No, you couldn't leave, like, little mm-hmm. kids, uh, dogs, cats, like, they need to be in the house. Why? It wasn't safe. Because the coyotes are big and pretty daring up there. These are the words of Catherine Shawcutter, a resident of Benedict Canyon Drive and a neighbor of Susan Berman. Shaw Cutter was a newlywed who had just moved into the area with her husband. She and Susan Berman quickly bonded over wearing pajamas late into the day, a result of their day jobs as writers. The anecdotes Shaw Cutter tells of Berman aren't noteworthy. They're moments, fragments of minor interactions that happened 20 years ago. And at the time they occurred, Shaw Cutter probably never expected to mention them again especially in front of a loaded courthouse during a major Los Angeles murder trial. What was that neighborhood like? Um, well, it's, it's quite secluded, I would say, because it's really just the street there, and there are no streets that go up very much. So um, during rush hour, it's pretty trafficy, but when it, the traffic's quiet, like on the weekends or at night, it's incredibly quiet. Did you feel safe living there? I really did. Um, Well, because it's just one road. There's only one way out in each direction. Um, And, you know, if you were, if someone were to, like, rob a house or something, they can't really get away. So um, I always felt extremely safe there. And though Shawcutter believed the area to be safe and, quote, hard to rob, it became the scene of a horrific crime. Robert Durst is suspected of committing the crime at hand, shooting Susan Berman 
in cold blood. What was your relationship with Susan Berman? Um, I chatted with her a couple of times um, because I was home and working. Um, she sometimes uh, would come over and ask for help. One time she called to see if my husband would go over. She had a snake in her yard and she wanted him to get rid of it. He wasn't home. Um, but we chatted for a little bit. Um, she was a writer, obviously, I guess everybody knows that. And she would come over in the morning, but not, you know, like 10 or 11, she'd be in her pajamas. And I was a freelance writer. I was also wearing my pajamas. So we kind of bonded over our wearing pajamas late in the day. But I didn't know her super well, just to chat. Okay. Um, what was she like? She was, she loved to, to talk, that's for sure. She was quite friendly to me. Um, and she's fun. She uh, was funny. She um, got a big kick out of our, our mutual pajama wearing. Um, but she was uh, very private. Um, she didn't like people walking up to her house. Um, sometimes we'd get a piece of her mail and I'd go to put it in her mailbox. But um, she told me, you know, to, if I found stuff like that, leave it in the mailbox because she didn't answer the door. She didn't like to answer the door. Shaw Cutter is in court to testify about her experiences with Berman and to talk about another moment that must have seemed banal at the time. A phone call that she made after noticing Berman's dogs running loose around her yard, despite the area being unsafe for pets due to the speeding cars. When cars were driving and there wasn't a lot of traffic, how quickly would they drive? Uh, fast. And it's dangerous. I saw a dog when I was walking Lulu, who I guess is going to come up shortly. Um, I saw a dog get, get hit by a car. It's a real shame. Okay. It's dangerous. Shawcutter also discusses how she was able to hear Berman and her dogs from her house. Um, you say you could hear her, though. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we have. Um, separated by one tiny little fence and uh, I could hear her she'd sit out and when the weather was nice she'd have you know a couple people over and she'd be sitting out there and I'd just hear her talking and laughing and the dogs you know kind of rustling around and barking and they just you know she was out there it's not very far away <laughs> hey there it's Michelle Norris I'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Both the defense and the prosecution have asked Berman's other neighbors what sort of sounds they could hear from Susan's home. Obviously, in a case where the victim was murdered by gunshot, this piece of information could become crucial. Shawcutter's story also paints Berman in a vastly different light than the prosecution and defense presented in their opening statements. Both Deputy District Attorney John Lewin and Defense Counsel Dick DeGarren and David Chesnoff painted Berman as manipulative and overbearing. Today, we see Berman's vulnerable side. How many dogs did she have? Three. Do you remember their names? 
yes, there's Lulu, and she had, who's a wire fox terrier, and she had bred Lulu and had two of her puppies, Romeo and Golda. So there are three. Yes, <coughs> she was incredibly attached to those dogs. She loved them dearly. Well, tell me about that. Well, you know, she didn't have any kids that I knew of, and she was single, and I think sometimes she was, like when she'd come over and chat with me, I got the idea that she liked a little bit of company, and I really think they were her company. Could you ever tell, based on overhearing her in our interactions with her dog, how she felt about them? Oh, she doted on them. Tell us what well, you were, She just, you know, just, no matter what she was doing, half of her attention was always on the dogs, and she doted on them, and, you know, you could just hear it in her voice. They were always front of her mind. And is this something you're hearing from where? Uh, when she'd be outside with her friends, and just, you know, she'd be sort of half talking to whoever and half scolding Romeo to quit beating up on Lulu, and just, you know, you could hear it. And was there something about the way she spoke with her dogs that told I you something? I like, like speaking to a baby. Give us examples. <laughs> you know, she'd just be like, she'd call them her baby, you know, oh, baby, don't, oh, baby. <coughs> make me sad. Leave your mama alone. Just, just like a mother hen. Okay. Sweet. So she spoke to them like her children? Oh, absolutely. But what Shaw Cutter remembers much better than her minor day-to-day -day interactions with Berman is the Christmas Eve of 2000. What happened on December 24th, 2000? Well, um, my husband and I were hanging around in the morning uh, and some neighbors uh, knocked on the door and they had this dog on a leash. Um, and they said that they had found her loose in the street um, and had taken her home, but they were leaving for the holiday um, and going out of town. So they said that they'd left some messages at the number on the dog's tag, um, but they hadn't heard anything back. So would we mind if we held on to the dog until uh, the owner got home? And that owner was, um, was Susan, and I <coughs> recognized the uh, phone number um, and they had the address so we took the dog and um, we I'm sorry your intention was to keep the dog and give it back until to Susan. Susan got home yeah were you ever able to give that dog back to Susan no um, we had the dog for a little while and I had taken her out to see if she needed to go to the bathroom or anything and just to let her be outside because we didn't uh, you know, we didn't have a, anything set up for a dog. So I took her outside and I could hear the other dogs running around in the yard. So I walked up to that landing <coughs> and you about what's up a little way so I could see down at her backyard a little bit and I saw that her back door was open, um, which I thought was strange. If she weren't home, she wouldn't have left the door open like that. And the dogs were, I could hear them running around loose which I was a not, it's not a familiar sound because they were pretty much always right next to her. Um, so I told my husband that uh, maybe Susan had gotten home um, to go knock on the door. And he did. Uh, and he came back and he said that nobody had answered the door. 
Um, so I didn't really do anything about it uh, right away, but the more I sort of thought about it, the stranger it seemed. So I told him I was going to call the police, so I did. And that was the context of this phone call that Shaw Cutter made to the police. Operating three forty-eight. Yes, hi. Um, I live in Bodie Canyon, and um, my next door neighbor, one of our other neighbors, um, found her dog on the street yesterday. Uh -huh. And um, was it dead? Or... Oh no, 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 no. We have her. Oh. The problem is, um, they gave us the dog, and we went over next door to see if Susan was home. And her car was in the driveway. She's not answering her door. There are packages on her doorstep. She's not answering her phone. Her back door is wide open. So, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> so the door is open, Dory. Okay, not going tight. Oh, well, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. We have, uh, her other dogs are in her yard, and they're barking, they're little heads off, and um, she was not, I mean, our area, there are a lot of animals. Nobody leaves their dog out overnight, so very weird. Okay, what's her address? Um, that's a good question. I can give you mine. She's next door. I'm not okay. sure her number. Yeah, what's your address? 1531 uh -huh. Benedict Canyon Drive. Uh, After Balian finishes up, Chip Lewis begins his cross-examination. Did you hear anything at all coming from the Berman house that would have sounded like a struggle? No. Nothing that sounded anything like a gunshot? Nope, not a thing. No sounds we would associate with breaking in, etc.? No. During his questioning, Lewis continually reminds Shawcutter about past events and frequently references, quote, being fair to her due to the amount of time which has passed between these events and the present day, which gets a few chuckles from her. Notably, there is a lightness and a lack of intensity to Shawcutter's tone. She is very clear and concise in her answers in a way that suggests she has detached herself from the murder, as if it happened in an alternate reality. Lewis later brings up two people who are acquaintances of Berman's and who had access to her house around the time of the murder. A woman named Dee Baskin, who was Berman's landlady, and to whom Shaw Cutter had referred to as a weirdo, and a man who showed up on Shaw Cutter's doorstep on Christmas Day, Niall Brenner. Brenner was a friend of Berman's who had come to visit her and encountered crime scene tape at her residence. Brenner then walked over to Shaw Cutter's home and asked her if the police had told her what had happened. And at that point, I knew that Susan had died, but the police had not told me at all in what manner. So, so you didn't know that she was murdered no, at that point? No. Um, in your conversation with Mr. Brenner, did he ask you several questions? Well, he just asked, you know, what had happened and if, if we knew what, where Susan was. And I told him that, that he, she unfortunately had died and he was you know, quite stricken and um, it was in front of my Christmas guests, so it was a really tough moment for him and for me too. Um, but again, I had no idea at that point what had happened. And Mr. Brenner, in his questions to you after you told him this, he asked you what did the police have to say? 
well, he just said what happened, like how what how what had happened, what had happened to her, and I really didn't have a lot to tell him except that she had died. When these detectives uh, followed up or came out to see you, they asked you questions about both D. Baskin and Nalbrer. Uh, yes. In your conversation with Niall Brenner, did he ever inform you that he had actually broken into Susan's house? No. Thank you very much, Ben. Nothing further, Your Honor. Balian then begins a short line of questioning. Can you just try to elaborate the best you can for the jury, Niall's demeanor when you told well, him that? He, he was yeah, stricken. I mean, he had to sit down. He was really just in shock. Like, he had to sit for 10 or 15 minutes and just, like, he asked me what happened and I told him I didn't really know how. Like, he just was astonished. Thank you. Shaw Cutter delivered all of her testimony in virtually the same perky, affable tone that she might have had during one of her casual backyard conversations with Susan Berman. Berman was murdered nearly two decades ago and the ocean of time seems to have washed away any trauma Shaw Cutter may have experienced in learning that her next-door neighbor was shot within feet of her own home. But the absence of pathos in Shaw Cutter's testimony does not linger in the listener's consciousness. What really registers with the gallery and the jury is what Shaw Cutter did after the murder. Let's cut to the punchline. Did you eventually end up with Lulu? I did. <laughs> end up with Lulu? <clears throat> we adopted Lulu, yes. Lulu, whom Shaw Cutter referred to affectionately as a, quote, sweet little lamb, lived with her for the rest of the small dog's life. That was A Sweet Little Lamb and a Cold-Blooded Murder by Chris Taracone. For more crime and justice storytelling news and narrative analysis, head over to crimestory.com. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next Crime Story podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.